Where have you been all my life? Where have you been all my life? <laughs> and that, of course, is the great Rihanna. And if it's uh, what I exclaimed after discovering rumors, the pants with the elastic waistband, then this must be Dale Radio. And I, of course, am your host, Dale Seaver, and you're listening to another episode of Some Things I Enjoy, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And we're just a stone's throw away from the little Gowani tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with my guest in Williamsburg. Isn't that what this area is called? It's so hip, I don't know what it's called, it's Dale. It's ever-evolving. <laughs> I'll tell you what you Should see. Should I take my sunglasses off for this interview? I'm rolling up my pants so you can see more Do you like my, my hyper-color t-shirt? It's fantastic. Absolutely great. Carla Rhodes, how are you? I'm good. My dad just paid my rent, you know, because I live in Williamsburg, so I'm very happy. Hey, let me tell you something. I was walking out here. It's a nice night, a little bit less humid than it has been. And uh, this block alone has so many different architectural styles. It's a real, it's all over the place out there. It's condo, higher condo, higher condo, and then tenement. And then, and some weird, there's almost some uh, columns across the street as if it was an old southern plantation. We and, we are in the sorry to interrupt. We are right. coming to you from the Italian section of Williamsburg, oh, so that's why yeah. you see the columns and the Mother Marys. We're in, we're nice. in like the old school Williamsburg that is rapidly being gentrified. It smells a little like pasta too, doesn't it? It does. It smells like fretz, <laughs> fresh mootsy and pasta. Mootsy. You get the gravy on Sunday nights? Uh-huh. <laughs> you Italian? Um, sometimes. From Louisville? Yeah, Down from Louisville, there. Kentucky. That's where you grew up, I'm Italian. It? And, um, <laughs> you know, of course, because I live in Williamsburg, I have my own organic garden out on my patio. And yes. I grow, like, my own organic basil. Exactly. Is it Thai basil? Yes. <laughs> That's good. That's very in demand. I tell you, I walked over, I walked through the Union Square, the park that they have there. A lot of people with big bags of lettuce. That's about this time of night. The people are packing up, I guess. But mostly it just looked like lettuce. Maybe <laughs> there was some basil in there. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. They do have a lot of stuff in Union Square. Um, I've been Let's guilty. leave it at that. <laughs> they do have a lot of stuff there. But I want to get to you, Carla, because you're the focus. We can talk about New York and its many splendors all mm -hmm. night. But uh, let's, and I want to just let people know that we're over here in, in your office. And one of the things you notice when you come over here, in addition to a fellow with his shirt off and a bird flying around and a couple of birds hanging on the wall, is that everywhere you go, and I just had the opportunity to use your restroom, there's eyes everywhere. A lot of little creatures looking out at you from there's one peeking up there above the computer and there's some on the curtains here. You really, you've never noticed that, is that what you said? No. <laughs> well, you must You're enjoy. You're totally right, actually. You must enjoy the company of, of other little things. You around. gave me an Oprah O moment. I was like, you're right, there's little things watching me all around my whole apartment. It's, I don't know what that means. It's probably and now some you're kind of a, a deep need for attention. Is that, could that be possible? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've made you tear up, and I apologize, but that's what we get. We get right to it here on the program. We do. Carla, you're known as the rock and roll ventriloquist. True. Among other things, I'm sure, mm -hmm. in different circles. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, explain to me how a young kid from Louisville, not necessarily known for its great entertainment uh, uh, Muhammad <laughs> Ali. Okay, and Hunter the Derby, S. Thompson. And some whiskey. Yep, Maker's Mark. There you go. Uh, but but not, not a great Broadway, not a lot of uh, vaudeville coming through there, was there? That is true. 
growing up there, you just kind of have to use your imagination to be creative. And uh, I think growing up there, I was isolated a lot. And so I just read a lot, unlike a lot of people there. Oh, now. <laughs> we got a lot of great listeners out there in Kentucky. We do. We wish them well. I think Kentucky is a wonderful place to be from, and I'm so happy that I'm from there. But I think growing up there that it just really forced me to be creative. I don't think I would be the person I am at all without growing up there. Well, that's, that's true, isn't it? And when, and, and when did you realize your dream? What did you see that said, this is going to be the ticket? Ventriloquism. I want to put my arm up a little fella's uh, rear and do some singing and stuff, tell some jokes. I saw Sherry Lewis on TV when I was nine years old. There you go. And what program was that on? Lamb Chops Play Along. There you go. She's the one with the, the little lamb is what it with is. With the little it? lamb. And I just I just fell in love with everything she was doing. I liked that she sang and she was funny and she did puppets. And it was just totally weird and strange. And I was just like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a ventriloquist. That's right. <laughs> Nine years old. Did you have a sock puppet or something that you used? My first puppet was a paper bag, a lunch bag. Did you make it yourself? You, you Cut the fringe of construction paper and make a lion or something. <laughs> Googly eyes. You're on cracking it. me up. Um, <laughs> no, I actually did because the library that was closest to me, they had, um, they had. I, I went to go pick out a book on ventriloquism. Sure. From the local from, library. From the many that existed on the shelves. Right, and exactly store. the only one that existed was from the mid 1950s. And so I learned ventriloquism. Kind of a peak of Right, exactly. And I learned ventriloquism from a book that taught you how to make a puppet out of a paper bag. Yes. I guess that's what people did in the 50s because that's all you had then. Paper also, bag. the peak of paper bag usage. Right, paper bags. People used paper exactly. bags and not plastic. No. And so it was a very environmental choice that I did. And then I did that, and then um, I got like a lamb chop. And started mimicking Sherry Lewis. Like an official <laughs> official version of her. When I was nine years old. You sound a little bit like her. Well, she was from the Bronx, so... Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have the same accent. I mean, you have a, a high, delicate voice. I didn't know that. <laughs> I obviously don't. I think I'm more Kathleen Turner than Sherry Lewis. Hey, I saw her once. She was at the, we go Fox, to the same, right? uh, We go to the same dermatologist. Yeah. And what did you learn? I tell you, she's a bit of a she's a bit of a presence when she walks in, and she wants her her care done right away. And she was letting the people know who she was. And uh, anyhow, she we uh, did you get bumped from your appointment? That happened. To me I would once. gladly have moved her moved her forward. It was fine. Mm. My warts can wait, is what I, your warts I said to her. I said, "Hey, hi there. I've got a pretty bad case of the warts. It can wait. You go ahead, Kathleen Turner." I'm sure your warts matter more than mine. But uh, it's all cleared up now, by the way. Thank you. Uh, uh, and I've, I'm feeling good, and I don't have as much pain. and I'm just happier as a person. Anyhow, Carla, so you've got this paper bag, and you've got a little lamb chop going. And what do you do? Is people coming over to see you, or are you just lining up the other stuffed animals and things, as you have here? Um, <laughs> no, I, I would... Life. Yes, I just perform in Brooklyn to my stuffed animals. No, no. That's but my sad truth. No, I, no, as a kid, I actually did. I would do stuff, like, uh, for the stuffed animals, and then I started doing stuff on the school bus, and then the teachers started hearing about it, and I started to perform for the older classes, the big kids. Sure. As a performer, and by that point, I had a Charlie McCarthy from the JCPenney catalog. Oh, now we're talking. blowing people's minds. <laughs> it was insanity. 
And so I started doing that, and I just, I just kind of kept doing it, and I have no idea why. Well, you, because it was a drive. It's your artistic passion. That's why, of course. And oh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, of course. Let me remind you. And have you always had your, your beautiful crown of hair? Yes, I've always had curly hair. It's, it's terrific. natural. It's well, terrific. thank you. Yeah. I'm sure they can see it right now. They can envision <laughs> well, it. It's, it's very humid. That's why in I Brooklyn wanted to have today, somebody, somebody on the show. Uh, you know, I once had a radio uh, show with a puppet. It was a religious themed show, and we talked about uh, the good word and that kind of thing. And so I like doing uh, things with. Uh, uh, you call them puppets? Is that okay? You can call them puppets. I prefer Mannequin Americans because Man I don't want them oh, to get offended. No, I know, and some of them are in the room. So uh, uh, Mannequin Americans right. uh, is, <laughs> is what they are, and uh, I always like doing that on the radio. I think there hasn't been enough uh, Mannequin American radio. PC uh, for puppets. <laughs> I like to call them dummies because I don't really care, but you know. They might oh, get mad at goodness. people outside of the circle. He's right there behind us. I, I, I know, yeah. We're unnerving. not telling people that he's... It is, it is very weird. Look at that. No, I don't he's want to. He's sitting by a mirror. No, I don't want to. But, uh, uh, so you, you, uh... Well, that's a delivery. Someone's getting a delivery. <laughs> a mannequin American delivery. The UPS uh, guy just, like, knocked on the door next door and probably ran away. Didn't even wait for the guy to answer. That's what he does. UPS. He just leaves the box out there. You get a lot of good stuff just by seeing what's out there. Oh, yeah. Just looking out my windows. <laughs> it's an Italian neighborhood. I'm like an old Italian lady now. I just sit in the windows with my floppy arms. You don't have floppy arms and eat, homeless eat, <laughs> eat, eat my mozzarella and look out the window at the UPS truck and yeah, yell at people you, uh, and that, see what's going on. That's life. That's the way to do it. Hmm? There's worse and I just say, that's no good. <laughs> well, now, let's get back to your I'm trajectory. Such a you, I know you are. Uh, out here, you know something you won't uh, 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 miss out here is this part of a man. There's a lot of deep neck, deep V-neck T-shirts. So oh you see God, this part. Without shirts he on. Went, that's a very deep V-neck. My man servant, yeah. Extreme, extremely and deep V-neck. And extremely deep too, but uh, we should say he had enough shirt because the bird would would uh, relieve his himself little henchmen, like on, little, yeah. on on his shirt. And he said, "By the time I go through free shirts, just forget it." And I think that's a good a good way to go through life. So anyhow, Carl, you're doing these things and you're getting bumped up and you and you, you're finding some success with it. And you say, "Let's I'm going to go to Broadway. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to make a go of it." Is that mm -hmm. right? You moved to New York. Well, I'd always you go to school for that. Yeah, I went to school. I went to the ventriloquism school in Manhattan. Manhattan. No, does that does that exist? No. No, it doesn't. That's just um, the hard knocks. School of hard knocks. School of puppet Paying hard knocks. Paying your dues. Paying my dues. Um, I just always wanted to live in New York City since I was a kid, and then I finally got to visit New York City for the first time when I was a teenager. I won tickets to see David Bowie do a secret show That's in New good. York City in the late nineties, and that was my good. first trip. And I came here and I'm like, this is great. New York City, you get to see like David Bowie. You get to like be all fancy. I want to be day. here really bad. Every day you get to yeah. go see David Bowie. But I wanted to be here and um, I just, you know, went to college, got the degree out of the way and actually skipped my graduation to pack to move to New York. I just always wanted to be here. Favorite place in the world. Only place I've ever felt at home. Love it here. Came here, started doing my thing. And now I'm here. And were there older ventriloquists, you know, within the circuit that said, hey, kid, uh, we'll either give you a start or they were like, you got to pay your dues. You can't come in here to this 
Are there rooms? Are there ventriloquism rooms? There are ventriloquism rooms. When I came to New York, I fell hardcore into the alternative comedy scene. There you I go. came at like a good time, so it was a lot of comedians doing like wacky things. A lot of people that have gone on to much bigger things. This is like Luna Lounge and all that kind of thing, or a little I, bit after that. When I got here, I went to Luna a few times, and I saw some really good bands there too. When I came here, it was like ending. I mean, I really landed here like in permanently. I'd come up here a lot, but I permanently landed here in like 2003. Oh, okay, a little bit after all that. I'm really grateful though that I came then though because I actually got to see the East Village for a year before it completely died. Before it disappeared. And, right. And, um, you know, I got to come out here when it was still, like, all scary. <laughs> I, well, it's nice now. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Yeah. It's not bad. It was I was never a little scary. worried. Whenever I have to go to Williamsburg, I always think, oh, boy. Yeah. But, uh, Someone might put a scarf on you or something. I'm worried. Yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> I'll have to start micro-brewing or... Uh, making some kind of fancy soft serve or something like making that. Making homemade mozzarella or something. Homemade mozzarella. That wouldn't be Craft so bad. Beer. I bet I'd be good at that. I think so, too. You just squeeze this stuff out of it, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta do all that. I actually make mozzarella, so I'm offended. I'm leaving. <laughs> well, this podcast is a lot like mozzarella. I called you Italian. You, you're very sensitive, too. And that's how it was down there in the, in the coal country. That's called being a southern gentleman. That's what that was. Mm -hmm. Well, and so you you get going with this, and and then how many how many uh, uh, mannequins dummies have you have you worked with over the course of how long have you been doing it? Since, well, since the beginning, or since since well, the since beginning, you really since hit it professionally. You, professionally, really? all right. So when I was a teenager, I I was like, I think it would be great to have like puppets of Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, and so I got puppets of them. That really started me doing something different with art form. My whole thing was with ventriloquism. I'm a big like Andy Warhol fan and of all these people and I wanted to like manipulate pop culture through this. Mm -hmm. Or make a statement on stuff that's that's going on because ventriloquism is actually like very stale and people have certain stereotypes. It's just like an old man with a dummy and you know. Right. As I like grew up I'm like I wanna do something really different. So I did the Mick and Keith thing for a long time when I came to New York, and then and I, that was where the rock and roll ventriloquist yep, stuck. Yep. I actually got dubbed that in college because I went to college near Nashville, and I ended up opening for like tons of bands. Oh, that's and it pretty was, good. It was really really cool, and I also learned how hard it is to open for bands. But when I came to New York, I ended up like on the punk rock circuit with like a lot of punk rockers, and I could totally handle it because I was like, I've been opening up for like hillbillies. You know, I can I can do you with your New York accents and just like playing three chords. Who cares? It's my New York accent. Who cares? It's great. Yeah, and then and then I discovered while I was in New York, I picked up this dude called Cecil Sinclair, and that's where I really feel like that I hit. There you go. You found your voice in a way. You found his voice. I definitely. And found your voice. It took a long time, but I feel like Cecil's my favorite character. And then I started writing like an hour long show with a band, and I created like a bunch of other characters. So, and so, yeah. what was it? You remember what it was about that character? About Cecil? Yeah. What 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 was it that you said? I'm going to do this. It just came very clearly. It come fully born from you. Once you saw it, it was just a marriage of what was inside plus what you had there in your hands. Well, from an artistic standpoint, it's actually very strange because I know a lot of musicians, and I know even from like I'm a casual guitar player, but I have a favorite guitar. And when I picked it up, I remember I took it home and. I wrote like new songs on it that I didn't know were there and I I saw Cecil at a ventriloquist convention 
and I saw his ear sticking out from underneath the table, and I said to the ventriloquist dealer, these really exist. And he said, what is that red ear sticking out from underneath yeah. the table? And he's like, oh, that's like a dummy that no one wants. It's like so ugly and horrible that I had to like put it under the table, and I'm like, I want to see it. <laughs> and I pulled it out, and I'm like, I have to have this. And it, it, his mouth like wouldn't even move. It, it was actually made in like the 1920s, and I'm just like, this connection, like, you know, a musician would feel with, like, a guitar or whatever. Sure. As a ventriloquist, your instrument is, like, your puppet. Yeah. And it was made in London. I'm, like, an Anglophile. And I took it back to the East Village where I was living at the time. And he actually sat on a shelf for, like, over a year. And I would just, like, stare at it. Just stewing. Be scared at it. Just but once being unnerved by him. I was incredibly unnerved by this puppet. It just had like this weird energy about it. And then it was actually a friend that builds analog synthesizers that likes what I was doing. And we were hanging out one night and he dared me to use Cecil on a show it was booked for where I was supposed to use Mick and Keith. And I just got up with Cecil and I did it. And all this stuff started coming out. And have, my good, well, I have so many questions about that story. I love it <laughs> so much. It's a good story. Where was the convention? Like Where was the convention? Well, the biggest ventriloquist convention in the world is held in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, which is right by the biggest ventriloquism museum in the world called Bent Haven. Oh, you see, it was in the in the hills there with you. And what is strange is like when I became a ventriloquist. I didn't know for years that there was a huge ventriloquist convention that went on every year, like since like the seventies, an hour and a half away from me. <laughs> you know what it sounds like to really me is strange. that these things have some kind of. I'm not a necessarily uh, well steeped in the dark or mystic arts, but it seems to me that these uh, this thing is a kind of a, uh, a religious or spiritual or some kind of. Um, almost like a motorcycle, but it, like, uh, it's like some, a some kind of energy that that they put out and they find uh, the the followers. They, they, mm -hmm. It was there this whole time, this great pulsing heart of ventriloquism, and it just needed to reach out and find this young woman that was so excited about it, and and and, and this little fellow was under the under the thing calling out with his little ear. And uh, then you picked him up, and that's what, then you were a connection, then you're a disciple, and then that you were drawn back to where it was the whole time. Maybe from birth you were identified as uh, being one of the great voices of of this art, of this thing that you're doing. <laughs> it's almost like Mormonism. I don't know a lot about it. I know it is very. <laughs> <laughs> God bless them. They got some wacky I ideas. saw some Mormons walking on the street in Queens like two days ago, and it's like so hot out. They're wearing like the, the whole thing. thing. And they got I'm a like, hair shirt underneath. I know. I'm like, guys, just come on. Make it casual. Relax. Get a Tank linen. Top. Linen. Linen. Linen exactly. pants. Exactly. That's very religious. Well, linen if they is wanna, very religious. That's what, yeah, that's what it was. So why don't they do that? I, I don't know. A nice Mormon tunic would be fine, too. Mm -hmm. A little straight lace from me. But uh, anyhow, we got into some bizarre territory there. It's, you ever see, there was a, an episode of television sometime with a, a lot of... Twilight like Zone? A, like a haunted kind of a, a thing. Mm -hmm. With a ventriloquist that often turns on us. Do you ever feel that? No. Does it feel weird to have the thing in there? Does it feel as if you're holding another uh, being? The only time I've ever felt weird is when I was a kid, when I got going back to like when I discovered Sherry Lewis, and I really did get like a Charlie McCarthy from the J.C. Penney catalog when people still had catalogs. And I I grew up in the '90s, so 
they were still printing things then, which was amazing. Like, now print is basically dead, which is sad. That's what I hear. Print is beautiful. I was going to do this podcast as a print. As a print thing, but you're it's like, broad I want to save a lot of money. As a broadsheet. <laughs> yeah. You know your press, talk. Broadsheet. Letterpress. Handset. <laughs> Handset with a font that I designed. And Franklin Gothic 12 point. That's right, inspired by Mr. Franklin himself. I don't know anything about graphic design, but anyway, changing the subject. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, when, so, uh, when I got Charlie got McCarthy... To, what was the spooky thing that Well, happened? the only thing I remember being scared about was, I was actually, when you talk about like eyes around my apartment, that's yeah. why I was surprised. Like It was this thing sitting there staring at me, because before that I had had like, a paper bag and lamb chop. Right. And then I had this thing yeah, that looked like... And I remember when I had it, I kept it in my closet for like like months. And I would get it out and learn ventriloquism with it, but I would put it in my closet. But, you know, by the time I got Cecil, I was like in my early 20s. And I was like, Psh. But I do have people that come over that are completely creeped out by Cecil. Do you people, have to go away? Um, I've actually had people, when I have friends over for like a dinner party or whatever, like I do leave him out because it's like, I try to explain to friends it's like an instrument like a guitar or whatever I have guitars in my living room sure but I have people um, like the bassist that plays in my band for the show when he's been over he, if Cecil is looking out he'll turn his head sideways <laughs> well that's does he have something that he sleeps in? <laughs> yeah he has like a little hat and a nightgown I meant like a box, but I'm happy to know he has. No, an he just like what happens when I come home from a gig. He has a case, and I just like leave him out wherever because I'm like I want it to just. I don't want it to like be bent right. or whatever. I'm trying right. to take care of the object, but like what's funny about other people that come over, they get freaked out about the eyes or turning the head, is it's actually very interesting psychology, like psychologically, because they mentioned that well, we see this thing and it's all alive. And then we come over and it's just like sitting there slumped over in a corner right. and it freaks us out. Right. And see, I don't realize that because from my point of view, I have no idea what it looks like from the crowd because I'm sure I'm yes. doing it, you know? Right. And I have no idea what it looks like to other people. Your relationship is established in this way. Exactly. So it's all right. We what brush our want, teeth together want... and all this stuff. <laughs> I hope that's a video that someone can watch. Well, can you want to bring him over? Do you want to do something with him? Um, sure. Is that all right? Is that, uh, is that, do you want to look at more pictures? <laughs> You're just changing the scenery? Is this all right? I was trying to mix it up. I, I like it. That's good. We've got a nice screen. We have screen editing. Saver. It's not like this is live. Right. There we go. I tell you, I instantly feel better uh, with him moving around. I know that. that yeah, but see what I mean? Yeah. But I think the psychological thing behind it is pretty funny because it is different. Lars got it all. I mean, I don't know how he's going to sound on the radio. I'll right ventriloquist on the radio. Lars got it on. He's a bit of a Brit there, isn't he? What? You got a little, you're uh, uh, from across the pond, are you, Cecil? Yes, Nick. What radio show are you on? This is Andy Kovac. It's very similar to Mr. Kovac. It's a little podcast. Well, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm I, shaking I, your hand. I like your first... podcast very much. Well, thank you. I'm uh, pleased to have you have you on here. Thanks for dressing up. You look sharp. Yes, I do. <laughs> you ever get warm? Is this heat okay for you? Oh, it's fine. Carla, you're not talking much. I'm sorry, I'm not talking very much. We sound very similar when we're on the radio. <laughs> I don't think so. I bet people will think there's another person. That what? Just ended... <laughs> 
Hey, listen, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Were you, where, were you, where are you from? I'm from London, England. Yeah, all right. You miss it over there? No. No, you like it here in New York. You thrive on the pulse of the city, do you? Well, my whole story was I got thrown off the vaudeville circuit for having an affair with an overage chorus girl. With an oh, underage chorus girl? Overage oh, chorus girl. How old was she? Carla, you can move your lips here on the radio if you want to enunciate. Thanks, Cecil. Anyway, I was thrown off like a circuit for this affair with an overage chorus girl. It's locked in a trunk since the 1920s. And Carla opened the trunk, and here I am. Well, we're all happy that you're here. Totally confused about what I'm doing, where I am. <laughs> It sounds like you've had a little bit to drink. Is that true? <laughs> Where's my cocktail? I can't do this interview without a cocktail. I know you know. Usually, I pair the podcast with a little bit of whiskey or something, Cecil. But tonight, well, tonight I just have some water because it's so warm. Well, that's out. a shame. We've got bourbon in the kitchen. If you like some bourbon, well, I'll be all right. I'll get through this now, and then maybe afterwards. It's a shame. Cecil. Well, who is this guy? Groucho Marx. Hate Groucho Marx, Jewish guy. Well, he's got a bit of a, a, a opinion. He hasn't about been that. out for a long time, so he's very. Some of his ideas may be rooted in yeah, the older philosophy. <laughs> I'm glad you're holding his mouth. I want to play something with you. Is that all right? We'll all play right. a little word association game. All right. Is that okay? I'll read a word and you tell me just the first thing that pops into your mind. All right. Can Carla talk? No, she's a woman. She shouldn't oh, talk. Oh, oh. oh Hassan! Oh, Hassan! I don't know if I can go there with Hassan. you. Okay, let's just I touch. I can't believe you just high five Cecil. Well, let's just touch. I, did, I just it's touched. You mean about women. No, I don't agree with the policies. I just, I, I didn't want his oh, hand man. in my face too much longer. Uh, uh, <laughs> your bow tie is nice, by the way. Well, your bow tie is nice, too. Your invisible bow tie. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, okay, I'm going to read you a couple couple words, and then you just, you just tell oh, me what... Oh, for God's sake. All right. Footlights. What is this, to tell the truth? <laughs> That's right. I thought I'd pick something from, like, your your uh, your era back then. It's what people enjoyed, wasn't it, back then? The 20s? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> what is it? Go ahead. Footlights. Gas chamber. All right. Wood chipper. Your mom. <laughs> Dutch elm disease. Nothing. Bagworms. Deciduous. What is going on? <laughs> Lumberjack. Woodchipper. <laughs> well done, Cecil. I think we found a lot about found out a lot about your personality Please. right then. I tell you that. Very <laughs> revealing interview. <laughs> Can we do that again? No. Nope, that's it. You only get one chance. This thing goes straight through. Podcasting is fast. I'm sorry, I've got the heat stroke. I know you do. That's it. You're, you're beating up a little bit. Sweating. You got a nice shine to you, though. Some bad ones. I was going to say Carla, but I didn't want to be rude. Oh, well, I'm glad that you <laughs> contained yourself. Thank you, Cecil, for, for being here. Thank I appreciate, you. I appreciate it. It's real nice to meet you. It looks like you should have a drink or something. Keep, boy, that's the part that's... 
Yeah. What, what, what are you describe to the listeners what you're seeing? <laughs> well, it's mostly what the little you. the little thing that probably I don't know if it's going to come across on the I'll radio. Come across. But but uh, but when you move your mouth, there's a slight little sound as if you you have a wet lip, and uh, uh, yeah, that's a little bit more dramatic. But <laughs> but there's something something in there that just uh, and you have your eyes are wide open and ah there you are. And uh, my would goodness. you like a salt or a taffy? <laughs> well, yes, of course I would. Is that all you right? You can't have it. Oh my goodness! Gee, all right, would you like rude. it? No, it's okay. Now I don't want. I don't. Oh, thank you. This looks delicious. It's made of plastic. <laughs> That's a bit of a disappointment. I won't kid you. I do enjoy. You ever go down there to the boardwalk, Atlantic City? I was just on Coney Island. Oh, that's a, that's the one up here. You have a fun time out there. Not really. No? No. Kind of a dismal place, isn't it's it? It's dismal. <laughs> it's very depressing. I talked about it here on this show. Yeah. It's always great. Let down like... without the steeplechase. It's not there anymore. No, no. No. A lot of it gone away, isn't it? Gone away. A lot of the things probably gone from away. your time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, and what, what do you what do you miss most about London? What? What do you miss most about London? English people. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You don't get a lot of them around here. No, not at all. You see some tourists, though. You probably some can chat hang with up. this girl called Carla. It's not yeah. classy at all. Totally disappointing. This is a step down for you, was it? From I would say living? so. I would say so. I used to be a star in the music hall over there with George Thornby, and then I came to the vaudeville circuit here and was locked up, and I ended up with this Lucy now in Brooklyn or whatever it's called. Brooklyn. <laughs> <That's right>. Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. It's hard to say Brooklyn without moving your lips. Yeah, I bet, I bet it is. Right, Carla? Brooklyn. Right. Right. Brooklyn. Yeah, it's Brooklyn. hard. It's hard. It's tough to do. Brooklyn. Oh, you got it. I got it. <laughs> well, it's a real pleasure having you on the show. I, uh, yeah. I said like you wanted me to leave for ten minutes. Now. Well, I think we had a good, we had a good run. I think we had a nice chat, and I see your big, your name up here is in all oh, big Yes, sign that's, when, got... that's when Carla and I did the Steagle tent. <laughs> this oh, traveling wooden tent from Germany, the oh, Steagle tent. Ah, the Spiegel tent. That's nice. It's horrible. Horrible? Horrible. What was bad about it? German or something. The Germans were the bad part. Yes, that's yeah. all. Well, they did a number in your hometown. Nice toaster. Yes, they did. They bombed it and did some stuff. Yeah. Good thing you've slept through all that. Yep. Missed it. Yep. Well, you're welcome. Well, you know, it's it's very exciting. You know, I can't leave because I've got polio and I can't walk over to my corner, so I'm just here. <laughs> you're just there. What kind of shoes are those? Can uh, I touch your shoe for a second? They're made of licorice and poison. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I got close. Would you like a bite? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> you eat poison? No, but I serve it. <laughs> you serve it? Yeah. Uh, parties and things, probably. I can put him in the corner, like if he's being too. Well, he's getting a little. Uh, Nobody puts thistles in the corner! Nobody puts it in the corner! You originate that phrase, Cecil. Yes, I do. They stole it from me. My goodness. Well, you're owed some things, that's for sure. I, I really appreciate you being here, though. It's, I know you're going to just be right there. I so. thought it was horrible. Well, it wasn't great. Carlo, but... you get us the worst gigs. <laughs> get us all this radio show. 
Next thing I know, I'll deal with Edgar Duggan and Charlie in the Coliseum in a W.C. Seals movie. My career is going downhill. Downhill. God. <laughs> I think W.C. Seals is going to come back. No, you don't think so. Once told me he's going to throw a woodpecker on my head. Oh, yeah. He wasn't the kindest of guys, was he? He said, I'm going to stand and watch your nose tone red or something. I don't know. Lights <laughs> or something. I don't know. He enjoyed the drink, too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, well Cecil, thank, thank you for being here. I'm uh, leaving. Uh, I'm uh, yeah, uh, Okay, great. Well, thank, okay. Still, watch, it's, they watch you. His eyes just watch you, don't they? I'm so sorry. Cecil's a horrible person. No, well, you know, he's, uh, he's had a tough go of it, hasn't he? I think he was kind of tired today, you know, he has a yeah. heat stroke. He's yeah, out playing warm. cricket all day, apparently. That's like all he does. He loves cricket? Mm-hmm. Is he good he's at it? Of... No, not at all. <laughs> that can get a person down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not good at cricket And the at humidity all. and all that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Carly, you, had, you and Cecil, uh, thank you for, for uh, welcoming him over here from his... Uh, exile over there in the court well but, you're not well I mean I'm sorry I mean Cecil is very evil and uncomfortable so I hope he didn't <laughs> completely destroy our podcast no I felt that but uh, I feel like we can go on it's, we it's can good. move on it's good because you're a real positive person yes and you fill my heart with joy so yes. we're going to stay on that I'll just and, have to forget about the abuse I just endured <laughs> he's tough it must be tough to work with him I worked with my ex-wife for a while she was a little bit I'll say she's a little kinder yeah, I mean, he's, he's pretty hard to work with. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge. You got to, well, so now you two and other other uh, uh, creatures and beings uh, uh, perform with you in a show that you've been been doing for a long time. Mm-hmm. A long time? Um, we've been doing it since, like, January 2010, so that's probably Co- two years. A couple years. Yeah. And uh, what's that show called? What's it's called it? The Continuing Story of Carla Rhodes. Yes. And it's a whole, it's tied together by the storyline of me coming from Kentucky to New York, filled with original music and a bunch of original characters. It's very dark, but very fun. It's kind of like a Pee Wee's Playhouse for adults. That's great. And Cecil's the star of the show, unfortunately. <laughs> and there's all these other cool puppets that are in it as well. That, Not puppets, but things. Right, right. And uh, and where you've been performing that all over the place? Um, we've done it at Joe's Pub. We've done it at Galapagos. We've done it at Ars Nova. We did a residency at Arling's Grocery for sure, a long time. Yeah, we've done thing. it at Bowery Poetry Club. Yeah, you might want to be careful with that, just because this might pick up a little bit. Of, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll be careful. Yeah, that, getting we're, too comfortable. You're getting a little too comfortable there. A little it's too just comfortable. rocking the mic as it yeah, was. Yeah, just rocking the mic. But that's what we do, isn't that's it? That's what it's I like to do. I like to rock the mic. <laughs> so Arling's that would that go pretty good for you? It was very fun we we just did a show in april that was like completely packed out and blast that's and where you got a great press and you named it a comedian to watch mm-hmm. that people find funny or something like yeah, that. yes something like that a lot of other great people in that and uh, uh, uh you've met some terrific folks haven't you through the rock and roll angle who has been the most exciting that you've met other than present company <laughs> um other than you i mean you're amazing I would say that meeting Mick Jagger and Keith Richards was pretty cool. That's pretty good. Did you have the uh, their likenesses with you? Yes, I did. That was pretty yeah, cool. That's pretty great. I enjoyed well, that. Were you, you have a nice time? You, uh, Carla's whispering to me something about turning. There's a little. There's some audience noise in the back, but it's okay. 
It's almost because I think people will think it's a laugh track for our conversation. Yes, there is a laugh that's track. So we just got to time it so that when they applaud. Mm-hmm. But no, it's fine. Because as I said, thank you for welcoming me into your home. I know. I'm sorry place. there's it's like been, UPS trucks and noise. That, this and is I'm what gives the show it. its color, you understand. I like to let people in on what the, what the color behind the real, it. This is like being at my grandmother's house. You could hear Jeopardy in the other and room. And it smells like your grandma's. <laughs> I think someone is playing Jeopardy in the other room. It's, it's very loud. <laughs> That's all right. But yeah, I have met a a lot of fun people throughout my journey, and it's been very fun. I've been very lucky. You ever think you would when you got that little lamb chop? You think, this this is what's going to end up, I'm going to meet Mick Jagger. Never. How could you even dream it? Like, I mean, and Sherry Lewis actually ended up being a mentor. You worked with her. uh, She mentored me when I was a kid. Man. And I ended up because... um, She had a camp or some kind of facility? She didn't have any... She was actually renowned for, for not being buddies with ventriloquist and as a kid I just started to write her letters every day because I was like I thought she was amazing and I'd write her to be like dear Sherry I'm in Kentucky I went to school today this happened and that happened and I sat underneath the tree or like here's a drawing I did or like whatever little kids write you know it's like the 90s so it wasn't like what kids would write now I'm pregnant I have a job <laughs> my boyfriend punched me they are, they are you know, it was really fast it was really innocent like, I know. just want to learn puppetry I just want to, yeah it was serious <laughs> like that it's like unbelievable an actual fit like letters not like yeah, email sure and she started writing back and then I ended up getting to meet her and hang out with her a few times. And then, unfortunately, she passed away yes. when I was a teenager. But um, Lamb Chop died, too? Lamb Chop did not die. I don't know how it works. That's an honest, honest question. Every ventriloquist is buried with their puppet. No, her, her daughter actually continued on doing her act, which is a really good friend. And her daughter, when I did Joe's Pub, Lamb Chop and Mallory were a guest on the show that's with gotta me. be great that's Lamb Chop lives and Mallory is amazing at doing Sherry's act it's it's the same voice it's a little loud yeah can we, can we shut that oh, the door is shut yeah maybe we'll turn it down just a little bit there and that's a, we can we can <laughs> I'll tell you there's a uh, we got the beaded curtain uh, has has gone she's gone out to just just ask the fella there with his shirt off if he can turn down the Jeopardy program. I hate to do that. When everybody uh, is shirtless and enjoying a trivia program, uh, I like to let them be and just, just have at it and guess Daily Double or whatever it is. Because... Uh, it was actually Wheel of Fortune. Oh, Wheel of Fortune. Well, that's even more like my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, that's an odd Watching show. Watching the wheel. That's an odd show that it still exists. Mm-hmm. Another one of these lost. Maybe somebody will take that up next. Wheel I DVR'd it from like 1986. So. When they had the showcase and you could buy the Dalmatian and exactly. all that stuff. Exactly, that's what it is. That's pretty. That's how I feel sometimes over at Film Biz Recycling because everything's got a price tag on it and you can. That place is amazing. Pretty good place. That's where we met, isn't it? That is we, where we, we were met. Part of the super fun, super fun variety show uh-huh. with Josh Bisker and and Elliot Bisker is going to be on the mm-hmm. on the next episode. She's going to close amazing. things out as, as our musical guest this time because she didn't get to play the first time I interviewed her. And we were great up there, I think, giving bad advice to people. Well, I, you know, I kind of stopped you because I'm like, you're amazing. I want to know this person. And you didn't answer me for about three months. And then we got in touch. Your agent called me. (laughs) And then they put us together. And that's why we're both so uncomfortable. Well, when you're doing a podcast on the Gowanus, you got a lot of balls up Mm -hmm. in the air. So, yeah. 
And some balls in a chair. But uh-huh, yep. Anyway, we all do I our thing. I definitely do. Well, I hope I haven't let you down in person. Mm, not a little, that much. A little. <laughs> that's what happens with a lot of ladies, so that's okay. Well, listen, is there something you want to plug? You got some upcoming shows? I just have a wonderful summer ahead of me. That's and I'm going to be doing the continuing story of Carla Rhodes soon. Great. At a venue that is secret, but we're about to announce. Oh, my goodness. We're tying up stuff in a little bow. I like that. I like that very much. And in the meantime, what can people sign up on your website? People can go to carlarhodes.net. Yes. And they can find me on Facebook. Okay. And Cecil Sinclair is also on Facebook. I bet he's going to get a spike after this. And is there anything that you really wanted to tell? You do a lot of interviews and things. Is there something that I ask you all the same questions? Do you want to tell, tell me something that somebody hasn't uh, said? I think you were very thorough, actually. We got to it, didn't we? You really got to it. I had a good time. I had a good time, too. <laughs> all right, then. We're both well, so uncomfortable now. I, it's a little It's a little bit. We're a little uncomfortable because Cecil little, is staring at us. He's staring at us. It's a little post-coital. That's why it's happening. I don't know what podcast. to say because we have Cecil glaring at us from a quarter. He wants a phosphate and a lollipop. <laughs> you have to keep those on hand, dude. Yeah, I mean, that's this, what we you want. Get them out here in Williamsburg. Get they them out here phosphate. in Williamsburg. They, they got have a phosphate, phosphate shop. Bar out here. Well, <laughs> I think I've had a lot of fun. Well, I've uh, had a blast. Thank you for being here, Carla. Well, thank, thank you for, you for being in your home. And, and how do you me. feel? I feel terrific. I feel really good. Uh, other than being offered poison. But, uh, well, who you know, doesn't offer okay. you poison on an interview? In one form or another, somebody always does a mm-hmm. little. But you got to just go through it. And I think I'm going to be better for it. Right. And, uh, well, listen, i got a little business i got to do at the end of the show just to tell people about some things that are coming up. But uh, you stay where you are. It's fine if you want to chime in. It's fine, too. But uh, here it is. Uh, we had a great last live show over at Film Biz, and people can listen to that as well as listen to this one, and you can do it on iTunes, and then you can rate and review it on iTunes. Wouldn't that be nice? People just, that's the way to, That's the way I know how you're feeling. I need to, we should get the fan going again, I think. We I'm should. Re- it's really, very clammy. It's, it's warm. I mean, that's why I don't Woo! have anything else to say. I'm it's, about to pass I'm out from this. Out. I don't think they know we're, like, in a heat wave. <laughs> they will. They'll feel it. Mm-hmm. I'll post a picture. Like that movie, Do the Right Thing. We're sitting in lawn chairs That's in front right. of our pizzeria about to throw a trash can through a window. It's that hot. Well, until that happens. <laughs> until next time, I'll be painting faces on my empty whiskey bottles and talking quickly with my mouth closed. <laughs> now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Oh, my goodness. A lot of people came together to make this season possible. And my thanks go out to all of them, including the folks behind a season four take on the theme song originally composed by Steve O'Reilly at Engine Sound. This version is arranged by Lisa Mezzacappa and John Finkbeiner, performed by Lisa Mezzacappa and V.J. Anderson, recorded, mixed, and mastered by John Finkbeiner at New Improved Recording in Oakland, California. Thanks also to the following generous, good-looking, and fun-at-parties friends of the program. Cole Akers, Miranda Banks, Rachel Bears, Stefan Bodeker, Hannah Bowes, The Brain Flutter Foundation, Melissa Broder, Adam Bronstein, Justin Carroll, Tom Carroll, Amy Chang, John Charles, Tanisha Christie, Rachel Turner, Pamela Clapp, Julie Cummings, Amanda Duarte, Emily Elson, Dan Engber, Alex Estrovis, Sidney Erickson-Feinstein, Lauren Fitzgerald, Aaron Gabbard, Tanya Glanz, Jay Harlow, Betty Jo Hallett, my goodness, this is a lot 
of Bill. Thank you. This is outstanding. Meredith Hudson, Melissa Yeager-Miller, Steve Lambert, Daniel Lee, Maura Madden, Shauna McGarry, Michelle Megan, George Noctree, Peter Noctree, Susan Newberry, Aaron Nichols, Steve O'Reilly, Ann Philbin, Elizabeth Eva Rossoff, Gabe Roth, Rebecca Rothbaum, Trinidad Ruiz, Jacqueline Skagg, Shannon Stratton, Joel Tompkins, Karen Weber, Gabe Weiser, Will K. Wilkins, Brian Ye, and 10 anonymous friends. Thank you all very much.